Apple's privacy-focused single sign-on, the other insider threat, and highlights of InfoSec Europe. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. This week, Apple announced it will introduce a feature in its new iOS 13 operating system later this year that allows the use of Apple credentials to log into other services. The feature is designed to reduce the amount of personal information that app developers obtain a clear shot across the bow of Facebook and Google. Here's ISMG's Managing Editor, Security and Technology, Jeremy Kirk with the details. The social login has always been a bit of a devil's bargain. Sure, it was convenient to use Facebook or Google credentials to log into another app or service. The social login offered an easy alternative to the fatigue of creating yet another set of account details. But amongst people outside of security circles, there's less awareness about the privacy implications. Using Facebook or Google credentials for a service opened the door for granular tracking of a person's internet activity. That was good for services as they could immediately learn more about people who were visiting their sites or apps based on data passed to them by Google and Facebook. But Apple is seeking to upend those kinds of data exchanges as it increasingly seeks to use privacy as a competitive advantage. On Monday, it introduced a new single sign-on authentication mechanism that will appear later this year in iOS 13. The feature, Sign In with Apple, will allow Apple credentials to be used to sign into other apps and services. Apple says this will result in less personal information being revealed to apps. Apple has sought to carve out a competitive advantage on privacy and has criticized mass data collection operations that fuel targeted advertising. Apple says it won't track activity if people use the login tool. Apple will also let people create unique but relatively anonymous email addresses to register with apps. Communications sent to that address are forwarded to the person's real email address and the forwards can be turned off. If Apple's tool gets widely used, it means app developers will get less information about their users that can be used for advertising. It could also have a financial impact on Google and Facebook although both of those companies have many other tools to track users across the internet. But what Apple's login tool does is put more power back in the hands of consumers over the personal information they share. That is the thrust of much legislation we've seen enacted of late, such as GDPR. And consumers are increasingly aware of the impacts of data breaches and shady data deals by companies they've never heard of. Built-in privacy tools, especially at the platform level, will likely be embraced. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. It's been a busy week of travel for the ISMG editorial team. Matthew Schwartz and I have been in London attending InfoSec Europe. More on that later. Meanwhile, Tom Field and Scott Ferguson have been several thousand miles away at the ISMG Fraud and Breach Summit in Seattle. Scott had the chance to speak with Anne-Marie Scollet, CISO at Axiom Law, about her session at the summit on the other insider threat. Here's that conversation. Is there any sort of behaviors that these sort of insiders that cause these problems kind of, kind of share? Is there one trait or a series of traits that they have? I think the one commonality that they have is that they don't intend to do harm. I like to say it's good people doing the wrong thing for the right reason which makes it really hard to identify them because there isn't necessarily uh, behavioral analytics that you can leverage to identify them 100%. 
inaccuracy. And sort of as a CISO, what sort of what sort of ways do you have to combat that as the CISO? What are, what are some of the practical examples that you brought from the law firm over to and, and, and are talking about? Sure. Um, depending on the company and its resources, there are certainly technical technical solutions that could be leveraged, such as data loss prevention solutions, identity access management, um, and again, those behavioral analytics and user monitoring. But not all companies have the ability or the finances to be able to deploy those technologies. So I like looking at four non-traditional or non-technical options. Um, and a lot of that is what I call the Hearts and Minds campaign. It's really getting out and understanding um, who your colleagues are. Stop viewing them as users and start viewing them as humans um, who just don't have the same level of knowledge uh, about information security as you may. Um, and so really it's, it's taking the time and investing that time in getting to know your colleagues and especially getting to know the frontline managers and what their pain points are because it's the pain points that they and their teams are trying to solve that inevitably end, lead towards insider threat and some of the risks that come associated with that. So it's a people first strategy. Absolutely. One of the other issues we were talking about is um, you know, as a CISO talking a little bit to the board and also getting more women involved in, in security, very underrepresented, want to have more women in security. What are you sort of doing to kind of kind of bridge those, those gaps? I think um, in terms of getting more women into security, I think there's absolutely a reframing of the security industry that is past due. Reframing what security is and how we approach it. Um, I think historically security has been about that hooded hacker and protecting against them and doing a lot of heavy coding. Um, and I think as, as the profession is so lacking in talent coming inbound, as we start looking for how do we rebrand the profession so that it attracts more talent, um, doing that in a way that really underscores the ability to help and protect, um, to serve, um, whether it's communities and families or businesses, starts to, I think, bring more of an interest out of women. Um, and I think it's really looking at making sure that job descriptions are more gender neutral in terms of the requirements that are being laid out, because a lot of women will self-select out of jobs before applying simply because they don't meet all of the criteria 100%. And finally, InfoSec Europe is wrapping up here in London today. Before the ISMG team boards planes, trains and automobiles, I took the opportunity to speak with ISMG's executive editor, Data Breach Today in Europe, Matthew Schwartz, about our key takeaways from the show. Matt, how's it going? It's going great, Nick. It's been a great conference. It actually has. It's been, um, I've thought that it's been an excellent couple of days, really great meetings, really great interviews, um, different perspective. I mean, I'm very used to sort of the US events. This is a... Uh, a sort of different lens on the, on the security world, but a lot of common themes. I mean, things that are clearly universal. So, um, I'll, I'll, I'll kick off. I mean, I think one of the things that I've I've certainly talked about a lot is application security, and, and again, this year's buzzword DevSecOps. So, how, how has that come up for you? Uh, definitely, I've been speaking about DevSecOps, machine learning, artificial intelligence, still pretty hot this year, and uh, identity management, authentication. Privileged access management. These are themes we've heard before, but they're back in force. Yeah, I would agree. I'd say certainly um, the um, AI came up a couple of times in conversations that I had. I think in the context for me was around uh, particularly what can be done to sort of alleviate 
the pressure that's put on socks and the staffing shortages. So AI is a sort of uh, means of, of, of triaging some of the problems that are out there and effectively, you know, looking at cybersecurity uh, in, in sort of a more holistic view rather than the sort of traditional whack-a-mole. And making better use of the resources you have so that they can not have to bother with the kind of routine, low-level false alerts, yeah. but yet get to deep, you know, dive deep, if you will, on some of the more interesting and possibly devastating things that might be happening against yeah. your organization. So, so what about sessions? What, what have you seen out there? Well, I've been able to catch a few sessions so far and some really good stuff. One of the keynoters was Jamie Bartlett, who's written on the dark net and technological trends. And he had some really fascinating things to say about things like Cambridge Analytica, for yeah. example. He was looking at the micro-targeting that was attempted there after people's personality tests were scraped for their kind of basic attributes. And he said he doesn't think that actually helped the Trump, camp, um, the Trump campaign win, because right. Cambridge Analytica did work with the Trump team. But he says that in the future, that sort of micro-targeting is going to get better and better and better, and probably will work. And he said, there's nothing we can do about it except hopefully pass laws that provide transparency into yeah. what's being done. He says electoral law needs to catch up. So that was an interesting kind of policy yeah. angle. You gave me that example of, again, um, you know, the, the ability for IoT devices to maybe target when you're hungry. Yes, you know, if your smart fridge is tracking when you eat and don't eat, and it finds that you haven't eaten an hour past when you'd normally have dinner, and when you don't eat, you might be more receptive to law and order type candidates, you might open your fridge door and find a personalized message to you from the law and order party or something along those yeah. lines. So it, it sounds dystopian, but it also sounds very real. I, yeah, it's very, I don't want all well in my fridge, thanks very much. Exactly, yes. <laughs> so, and, and then just finally, Matt, any takeaways you have? Data breaches. Yeah. I had a great interview with Troy Hunt. He has keynoted at the conference as well as the Info Security Hall of Famer this year. And he just says data breaches aren't going away. I mean, we can yeah. see that. They're rising and rising and rising. And there's so many reasons why. There's more data. There's youngsters who are able to pop a site without even having to uh, you know, breathe twice, yeah. I guess. So a uh, big theme is the data breaches aren't going to stop. Cybercrime's not going to stop. Efforts to get businesses and law enforcement to work together, those are paying great dividends. Yeah. But that needs to continue because the problem is just increasing mightily. Right. And we've got some really interesting technology coming into the fray, and uh, hopefully that will help. Yeah. Um, so those are just a few of my takeaways. Yeah, I mean, one of the ones for me is um, the role of the CISOs changing rapidly, and uh, CISOs need to really understand business and be, be communicators rather than just uh, sort of tech geeks. I mean, that was, that was a huge takeaway for me that's, I mean, I've heard, I've heard it elsewhere, but it, it's driven home here as well. Really. Yeah, we've been, we've, we've been hearing it. I definitely heard that too. There was a session focused on regulations and talking about how the CISOs got to work much more closely with audit, yeah. with the, the data privacy officer as well. So their roles, responsibilities, and purview are also necessarily yeah. expanding. Right. Well, again, Matt, been a great show, been great hanging out with you for a few days, and uh, looking forward to doing it again soon. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Dave. All right, thank you. Bye for now. That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time. <laughs>